Welcome back to Core de Femme, a podcast for the femme perspective, for expanding single story narratives. This is your host, Melinda Cadwallader. I am a communications geek and junkie, and I'm so excited to share this little tidbit today. I've titled it Cancerous Communications. And it's wild for me to think about how concepts surrounding cancer can also align with the health of communications. Communication dysfunctions can hide out as nameless, faceless, sabotaging agents that wreak havoc on the health of personal and professional relationships. And while some of you already know I've had to face caretaking a physical diagnosis of cancer, interestingly enough, I was also asked one year prior to diagnose cancerous communications within a team. I love it when things come full circle. How wonderful it is when our painful issues from the past can show up in the present bearing wonder and opportunity. So if you're ready to geek out on systems and how they can assist in diagnosing cancer within teams, or if you enjoy learning about communication flows that support healthy leadership, healthy organizational workplace culture, then this episode is for you. So let's just get into it. Let's see where this goes. Stepping into a new leadership role within my industry over a decade ago, I walked into a learning institute with some personnel dysfunctions. The CEO, a kind and generous family man, asked me to identify and diagnose cancers, he called them, within the team. Specific behaviors, decaying productivity, and perhaps obstructing the flow of his goals for growth. It was the first time I considered words and actions as cancerous, but it made sense as behaviors can be nameless and faceless and without proper diagnosis can erode the health of a workplace ecosystem, of a relationship. Because I didn't hold a history with the team being an outside hire, my approach offered a mediator role and a reduction of bias. I was simply passionate about the industry, dedicated to the advancement of education, and hired to help build and strengthen multiple teams. What I found within the first 30 days was symptoms of constant passive aggression, little verbal assaults, but many unspoken assassinations, hidden thorns and untraceable jabs. Team members would leave notes on one another's desks criticizing teaching methods, poking at inadequacies, or feeding into workplace gossip. During team meetings, no one was airing frustrations or making much eye contact, yet during the work week, much energy was spent making frustrations and resentments non-verbally clear. Passive-aggressive behaviors in the workplace are often the result of a lack of freedom, courage, invitation, or personal empowerment to share negative responses. One of the most dangerous cultures, a company or any relationship for that matter, can unknowingly create is an accidental culture that discourages transparency, shames negative feedback, or disregards a member's voiced experience. 
Before my work in communication systems, I had believed the issues within this organization were mere personality clashes between select individuals. And so as the new department head, I made space to hear each person and engage as simply a mediator, an active listener. However, the notes I took started to reveal less about a personality riff and more about establishing junctures for healthy discourse to exist. In order to begin cultivating a culture of healthy communication, I knew my work had to begin with empowering everyone to voice concerns to the group within our meetings and as a diverse, complex, but united team. Setting specific times for feedback started to relieve the need to act in passive-aggressive ways. Through the practice of applying communication flows, the comfort of passive-aggressive behaviors and long-held personal conflicts were disrupted, causing them to jostle, shift, and move. To offer a routine juncture for critique and feedback is also to embrace the value of conflict. Conflict is an essential developmental opportunity for growth. Who grows without discomfort? You have to embrace the discomfort. You have to acknowledge that this shift that's causing discomfort is for my betterment, your betterment, for our betterment. An organizational culture that proactively works to prevent communication blockage and buildup establishes value and validation of the humanity that's tethered to tension. In regard to my team, applying the flow of a communication system allowed frustrations to find their way out of our daily workflow we were able to effectively address more concerns than we originally had diagnosed. And then we were able to collaboratively find solutions. And in turn, it increased the value of our differences by focusing on the issue at hand instead of questioning the value of the messenger. Don't we do that sometimes? We're so bent about who the messenger is or who we think they think they are to be telling us these things, that we overlook the actual issue being discussed, the actual dysfunction that's making its way to the surface. I know, I know, it hurts our ego sometimes to have to consider how people are being uh, treated within our organizations. It really is inconvenient sometimes, especially when you're on a mission-driven agenda. It's inconvenient, isn't it, to have to deal with and listen to complainers and whiners and people who you feel like are just out there to bring you down. The reality is people need to practice. People need to feel safe enough to offer a grievance. A grievance is something real. I really pay attention to when leaders and managers use the term complaining. Complaining is to suggest that someone is whining or nagging. And that's so far from the truth. You can say that someone is voicing a concern, but is it really complaining? 
If someone is being honest with you about the culture in your organization, about their experience working in your house, wouldn't that be something you'd welcome? Wouldn't that be something you'd want to know? I did go to a social media conference one time (laughs) where this gentleman decided that it was important for people to know that we should never listen to the haters. And who he considered the haters were people leaving a Google review or a Yelp review that had a bad experience at your organization. And he said, just ignore them. They're just out to get you. And as far as communications goes, that is a form that people use to communicate their grievance, to communicate their dissatisfaction. Wouldn't you want to know how people are experiencing your space, your world, your product, your service? We can't only accept the great feedback. We have to also be courageous and brave enough to receive challenges. In Keys to Strategic Organizational Communication, Conrad and Poole have a systems principles that identify practices that can assess organizational challenges and provide dialogue opportunities for strengthening team dynamics. This can help infuse communication flows with shared values for improving a steady forward motion. So there's seven of these principles, and I'd like you to consider how each of them might improve your own personal and professional leadership and relationships. The first one is the whole is more than the sum of its part. Increasing the value of diversity supports differences and provides considerations to unique vantage points. So taking time and making space to ask about why and how choices were made offers learning opportunities for everyone at every level. The whole is more than the sum of its part. Number two, cause and effect relationships are complex. While personalities might be an underlying factor, Actions and behaviors also stem from different responsibilities in responding to different issues. Looking at the budget, resources, or scheduling issues can shed more light on the root of a challenge because cause and effect relationships are complex. I've said this with girlfriends many times. Women are complex. We are not complicated. We are complex. And the better you can embrace your complexity and get curious about your complexity, the more you'll learn to really love who you are and how you were designed. Okay, moving on. Number three, find the right levers. Understanding an imbalance of influence, opportunity, or power within a system helps equalize levels of responsibility within each lever for expressing grievances and offering solutions. Who are you listening to, if not everyone? And why? Each person has a lever. Number four, don't just focus on the system itself. So taking a bird's eye view of the company, of your department, of your team, 
serves as a reminder of our role within a larger system of cogs moving the entire organization forward. Number five, systems adapt or die. In my experience, we were the flagship for future additional locations. So knowing that we were just starting out, we viewed systems making as rough drafts, not final presentations. And this offered us the flexibility and freedom to shift and change as we grew. The building of a communications framework helped us to analyze our most necessary and valued communication flows. For us, that looked like weekly meetings. It looked like monthly reviews. It looked like quarterly evaluations with each person discussing how things were going, what needs were presented, and how we can help each other move forward personally and professionally. Number six, history is important. Without much history, a new team can focus on the opportunity to create something wonderful and fulfilling for everyone at every level. For us, understanding that we were actively engaged in writing our history extended grace towards the drive of perfectionism and getting it right the first time around. Knowing what has worked or what has caused prior wreckage is also beneficial. Discuss them all. Give the freedom to each person on your team to discuss what they found as wonderful workings or wreckage. And number seven, systems must learn to renew themselves. Tensions are unavoidable. I'm going to say that again. Tensions are unavoidable. When we learn to embrace obstacles and expect the presence of challenges, our frustrations take a backseat to curiosity. And when we practice confronting dysfunction, we are working to form a flexible and renewable system that naturally increases opportunities for continued sustainability. What I love the most about systems thinking is that it provides a focus on the framework that allows human relations to flow within and throughout, while also providing an adjustable structure that adapts as it advances. If you are an established organization, consider what junctures could provide an opportunity to clear the air. As a leader and perhaps remaining outside of daily chit chat, you might be surprised to hear what others see as blockage and unnecessary buildup. For new establishments, consider embracing the absence of culture and prioritize designing one that supports a healthy flow of communication. I have just begun on embarking in this new pivot in my own career, where I'm working on being the outside eyes, inspecting communications frameworks, diagnosing dysfunctions, and offering prescriptions. Not everyone enjoys confrontation, I get it. <laughs> so it can be helpful to bring in someone less 
personally involved or emotionally attached to assess challenges and with the least bias. The one thing I would leave with anybody regarding communications is to keep the dialogue open and flowing. I know it's easy to block people. I know it's easy to just not reply and trash the email and to leave people on red. But that's not growth. That's not development. And willful ignorance and retreat and cowardice is not the way of the brave leader. Keep it open. Keep talking about challenges. Keep confronting dysfunction before it has time to grow and calcify. Encourage people around you to find the right language to properly name issues. We do this in our home a lot. When somebody is upset, it doesn't matter who it is. It could be me or my partner. You know, we're in our 40s. It could be our 12-year-old son. But we encourage each other to find the right words to describe and properly name the issue. Are you just tired? Or is there something else going on? What is it that we're really talking about? Did you just spill the milk? Or are you upset about something else? Great leaders make space for the good and the bad, the beautiful and the ugly, the comfortable and the extremely uncomfortable. Because a good leader knows how to learn something from everything. Thank you for joining me on Court FM for this episode of Cancerous Communications. And I hope you've learned something. I hope you're able to take one tidbit of this and apply it to either a personal or professional relationship. And if you do, and if you have some feedback, I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear how these principles and these systems can help keep you moving forward in your daily life. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. And just like that, we've wrapped up episode 25 of Court FM, our last podcast of the year 2022. A few milestones I'd like to share. December 27th marked our second year of production. I am thrilled to watch and go back and reflect on all of these episodes, the people that we've hosted, the information we've talked about, the beliefs, the practices, the principles with my co-host, Tiana, whom I miss terribly. I love you, girl. We have 25 episodes. We are in our second season. We have listeners in over 10 countries with audiences from students, artists, multi-gendered, multicultural, business owners, parents, intersectional audiences. That's really exciting to me. Cordifem is taking its turn. It's taking um, a pivot in another direction. It's the same direction. We're still talking about it. That's the whole gist of the podcast is that we are continuing to talk about things. Let's get it out. Let's see where it goes because communication is fluid. 
not fixed, and it holds opportunities for understanding and deeper connection. I'm absolutely thrilled to be a part of Gonzaga University, um, pursuing my master's degree in strategic communications and leadership. I'm thrilled as I have always been around um, leaders and teachers and education that is forward thinking. The team of Gonzaga's um, communications department has contributed academically with communication research trends that are global. They are trendsetters. Gonzaga is trendsetters of global communication professors. Their latest article printed was a communication and leadership 2020 and beyond, where it says that communication and leadership's future is intersectional, mindful, and digital. That's the forward thinking. That's conscious leadership. That's multiple sources of influence. I really encourage people to drink from other wells, whether you're in trades or academia or domestic leadership. Single story narratives require that you consume one source. I'm challenging you to expand your understanding of people, ideas, beliefs, knowledge, information, language, and communication. Expand your ability to connect with the world around you. That's my challenge for you in 2023, that you are intentionally seeking other sources to drink from. Have a wonderful new year. I hope you get the time and space that you need to reflect on everything that you've learned. What what lessons were taught to you through people and circumstances and situations? What are you absolutely not taking into 2023? And what are some practices that you'd like to try, perhaps for the first time? Have a wonderful new year. See you next time.